Buckle up your pant legs, zip up your hats, and mustache up your glasses. It's time for Sounds About Light, a podcast about Kingdom Hearts, Dream, Drop, Distance. I'm Sam. I'm Drew. Kingdom Hearts 3D. I have to go back through all these episodes and correct the title. I'm so sorry. 3D Triple D. I was reading a quote about uh, the title of the game <laughs> from Nomura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where he explained uh, Dream, of course drop of course and then they were like but what's what's with the distance and he was like well it's sort of the distance between sora and riku okay 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 it's also the distance between 3d and three now now yes what does that mean i just gotta okay the only interpretation i can come up with that is that you know the number three and the concept of 3d are not the same thing so there is some distance between those two concepts (laughs) It's sort of, it's inspired by the distance between apples and oranges. Yes. It's inspired inspired by the distance between me and my cat. (laughs) The distance that we can never reconcile between the concept of 3D and the letter D. That's right. That's also an important aspect of it. This is good. I'm glad that we, in the final episode on Dream Drop Distance, have made sense of what the title means. Mm Mm-hmm. And soon we'll we'll get to uh, what did birth by sleep mean? Oh, any day now. Yeah, we'll understand. Any day, <laughs> it'll come to us. We finished. We finished the game. Did you like the ending? Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good ending. Like it's not. It's honestly one of the most straightforward endings I think any of these games has had. Uh, yeah, in some I, ways. In some ways. In other ways, absolutely, it isn't. But um, uh, the it it does it it ties a bow on it in a way a lot of the other games have not. It is funny how uh, watching, or, uh, when I played it myself, I was like, oh my god, what a wild ride. This story is ridiculous. But now, since I already know everything that's going on, re-watching it, I'm like, oh, is that all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Part Rather of the, pedestrian. Part of the journey there is a bunch of fucking nonsense, um, even in this <laughs> part. But by the end, I'm like, okay, yeah, I understand where we're at and where we're going. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, some of the middle parts, I'm still not a hundred percent on this time travel. This time travel is, um, I think ill explained at best Mm -hmm. and probably not very well realized. No, I mean, there's, there's a thing that happens here where I was really, really digging into the threads online, trying to make sense of why it happened. Uh, it's the part where, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll hold off. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll we'll get get there there. bit by bit. Yeah. Uh, we start in the chair room. Riku is here, and he's trying to rescue Sora. I love the chair room. It's so good to be in the chair room. We get to see the chairs move, like we know that they can. Yeah, is this the first time we've seen them move? I think it's the first time we've seen them scale up and down for how important you are. Oh man, that's great. And, uh, yeah, the the thing that nobody talks about is the the part where they have to reach under the chair and grab a little lever, and then it goes, (laughs) and they sink down. You gotta crank it hand by like bit by bit to get to the top too. <laughs> there, so like uh, Zaldin's just like fiddling with it, and he accidentally pulls it up, and the whole chair just plummets to the ground. <laughs> That's how he died. <laughs> I mean, I certainly didn't kill him. That boss fight? No way. No way. Uh, Riku tries to rescue Sora from his little chair. From <laughs> from he's he's got a little a little booster seat. Well, he's the least important right now, so his chair is appropriately ranked. And young Xehanort jumps in and blasts him away and explains, I feel like this is like the third time this has been said that Riku was supposed to be the vessel, but he's resistant to darkness. Mm-hmm. 
And Roxas was also going to be a vessel, but he became too self-aware, which is not an issue with Sora. No, he'll never, he'll, he'll never realize himself. No way. Or actualize Riku, himself. Uh, Riku, who didn't get the explanation uh, that Sora did until now, uh, is informed of, of the plan to make 13 Xehanorts. And he's like, that would suck. And then all the Xehanorts start to appear in the chairs around him. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> that does suck, this I should is, say. This is bad. Uh, and Xehanort explains that his future self, while wiggling his fingers, we have to assume, sent him to gather all these different Xehanorts and Xehanort vessels from throughout time and bring them here today. And, uh-huh. this, okay, so this is a fine time to bring up what will bother me later, which is that they're not all time travelers. No. Because, like, Zigbar just woke up on the ground. No, but he was brought here by, like, either way, he was still brought here by being I guess it is possible that young Xehanort time-traveled him, like, a week into the future. Well, I don't think think they're all time-traveling there. See, that's that's the issue, because it's the part when they, this is skipping ahead again, but it's the part where, when they have been foiled, they all start to, like, flicker out of existence, and one of them is like, we are out of time, and I'm looking at Zigbar, and I'm like, why is he out of time? That's a good point. I don't know. Well, you know... I couldn't find it. Maybe Zigbar was just like, oh, they're leaving. I should also... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, here. I got a crackpot corner for you. Okay. Remember how, when he got rebragged, he mm-hmm. was young again. Mm-hmm. But now he's old. Mm-hmm. The reason for that being, he got norted back into Zigbar... And that's and he went off and did a bunch of shit for a long time, getting old, and that's why he's old because he's actually been doing shit for twenty years or something, and then it got sent back in time to this moment. It's a new, it's a new blank point. We're yeah. gonna get a Zigbar spinoff explaining what he did for thirty years. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I would love that. I would love to play a Zigbar for a, a real time thirty year long game. So I'm gonna hit that with a confirmed. Yeah, you gotta have a quip button if you're Zigbar for sure, <laughs> or a taunt at least. You know. Yeah, and it's PC exclusive because we know that he loves to say R for reload. That's true. Yeah, I think I had a previous crackpot corner where I said that he was from Halo or something. Yeah, he uses a needler. He does use a needler. Yeah. No wonder I like him so much. That was always my favorite weapon. It's very cool. I feel like we were talking about Halo last time. <laughs> I, yeah, it's been on my mind lately. I don't know why. Uh, Xehanort explains the time travel mechanics to Riku, but it's nothing that we didn't already hear. Uh, and then we look up at Master Xehanort's tallest, tallest chair up in the heavens with clouds swirling around it. And it starts to fill with nasty darkness energy before he's even arrived because he's so stinky that it's stinking emanates through time. Yeah, Riku is, uh, at this point, put a clothespin over his nose so that he can manage to be in this room at all. Yeah, I mean, we know that he, <laughs> he can't stand the stench of it. It's so bad. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention the part where Riku walks in and he finds Sora and he's like, Sora, what? P.U., it stinks in here. I really wish they had kept that going. I don't. <laughs> I wish they had never started it going, but here we are. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> the podcast is over. <laughs> Mickey falls from the sky and casts Stopsa. That was great. I love hearing Mickey say, Stopsa! Stopsa! Uh, and they prepare to escape with Sora, but I would love to hear you explain what happens here, and then I will explain uh, what actually happened here, <laughs> because it really doesn't read as what it is to me. Well, clearly, young Xehanort moved in the stopped time. Um, uh-huh. 
and hit Mickey in the back. And Mickey says, oh no, are you? And then he pulls out a keyblade that's not his normal keyblade, and I have to assume it's some sort of time keyblade. Do you know why this happened, and do you know what Mickey was reacting to? Because I... I had to I had to do a bit of a, a deep dive, a, a bit of a deep drop into Re- translations of interviews that Nomura has done explaining what this was. Reacting to more than just getting like flash stepped and beat up. Yeah. Um I gotta assume that Xehanort may well it looks like Xehanort makes some sort of time bubble to fight uh Riku in. He does know. do that. That was not explained. Here's what happened here. This is one of those classic Kingdom Hearts moments where mm-hmm. like 50 things need to happen at once and there's no time to explain all of them so it just happens and they just keep moving and it's like ah it doesn't really matter but what happened here is mickey cast stopsa which put like a big time bubble around chair room yeah xehanort old man xehanort was attempting to manifest into his big tall chair when that happened but now he can't because he's blocked yes but he's Traveling through time, which means that we know he is currently without a body. So, mm-hmm. young Xehanort is frozen in the time bubble, but he is possessed by Master Xehanort, whose overwhelming power allows him to break through the Stopsa. You know what? I didn't even think about it this much to realize this is how... What? Why couldn't it have just been that young Xehanort's powerful enough to move through the stopsa see i always assumed that what mickey was saying when he goes oh no are you i thought that he was saying because i was thinking oh mickey probably doesn't know who this guy is yeah in the first place i thought he was going oh no are you a time traveler meaning that you are not affected by time magic as i would expect you to be that's what i thought was going on yeah the xanor being possessed by xanor thing seems really unnecessary but the the clue is young Xehanort doesn't have a keyblade. When he traveled to Birth by Sleep Times, he fought with those little, like, light dagger things. But he, th- he holds up his keyblade and his eyes, like, flash yellow to indicate that something's happening there. And then Mickey sees that he has a keyblade and goes, oh, no, are you, parentheses, Xehanort? Wow. No, I yeah, yeah I, why would I? That seems like, uh, yeah, I guess young Xehanort doesn't, but couldn't he now? He might have forgotten, because he's going to go back in time and forget everything. Forgotten that he has a keyblade? Yeah, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> no, because he's been pulled out of a time before he has a keyblade. So the only reason that he's able to summon a keyblade is because he's possessed by a version of himself that is able to summon a keyblade. Also, the keyblade that he summons is like a... It it is Xehanort's no name Keyblade. It has like the spooky like goat head on the end and the mm-hmm. the eye in the hilt and all that. But it's like themed around like clocks and gears and stuff. Yeah, it looks different. Yeah, yeah, and it has young Xehanort's like light dagger as like a like the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, this is this is Master Xehanort's big scary Keyblade like, filtered through the vessel of his younger time-traveling self. Really does not come across at all when you're watching it. I'm not sure how anyone was ever supposed to understand any of that. Yeah, I think the other part of it is when we see his eyes flash, he goes like, Be gone! In a weirdly deep aggro voice that we haven't heard from him before. 
I mean, I guess, but that just that just seems like Xehanort things. Just Xehanort yeah, things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I never would have guessed that any of that was supposed to be what was going on. Hmm. But there it is. He pulls Riku into a weird time dimension with gears and hourglasses and stuff for a boss fight. Yeah, I love that canonically uh, Xehanort is defeated by a skateboarding elephant. Yeah, I did. I sent you the video of this boss fight from the that channel, like Boss Fight Database or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, the person who filmed this boss fight picked... I don't even... I've never even seen this Dream Eater. It's like an elephant, but I think it has like Beats Beanie from The World Ends With You. Yeah. And it is, like, doing kickflips while Riku is casting Balloonra. Yeah, and it's it gets, like, right up against Riku, right up against Xehanort. And Xehanort doesn't appear to be reacting to any of the attacks, but it's doing something. <laughs> One must imagine it's doing something. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I, I've played this entire game. I have no idea if the Dream Eaters contribute anything. <laughs> It must do something. You can like, uh, you can do like link moves. I think they're called, where Sora like does like a team up attack with them. Like there's a snail, and he the snail like rolls into its shell, and Sora like rolls around on the shell, or uh, he can like bounce around on the meow wow or whatever. Riku like actually fuses with them, so like if he, f- he fuses with the bat and he like flies around stuff like that. So they might just exist to set you up for link moves, but I truly have no idea if they're, like, doing damage or anything. <laughs> it looks great, though. It looks great. I, I really, really love to see the kick-flipping elephant. <laughs> and as I said, Riku's contribution also looks ridiculous, because once again, the strongest spell in the game is, in fact, Balloonra. Yeah, and it, it does a lot of damage, goddamn. It's damn. ridiculous. It's, it looks very silly, but it does a ton of damage. Yeah. Uh, so they fight, and he, uh, Riku wins, and the time magic wears off, and old Master Xehanort arrives in the big tall chair. Does he wiggle his fingers at all? I think he does once. I wrote down when he does. It's not quite yet. He's got a, okay. he's got a monologue for a while. Yes, and this is very important. So everyone take notes. He explains, in ancient times... People believed that the light in the world was a gift from Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts was guarded by the Keyblade. And at one point in ancient times, warriors fought over the light, beginning the Keyblade War. And the Keyblade was shattered into seven pieces of light and thirteen of darkness. And Kingdom Hearts was swallowed into the darkness. Now, that seven light and thirteen darknesses, that's important, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. That'll that'll come up very, very, very much in the future. And in like three seconds. Yes. Uh, so he tried, he mentions when he tried to create the Keyblade using one pure light and one pure darkness, Ventus and Venetus, of course. Uh, he looks back on that as an impatient act of desperation, which I think is pretty funny. Because he's, he's old and he thinks he's going to die soon. Yeah, and he's like, you know, that one sucked. It was kind of like I might as well give it a go, but... In retrospect, that was never going to work. My bad. You know, it takes a big man to admit when you fucked up with your uh, human experimentation. Yeah, it takes a big man to admit when you destroy a child's life um, for no reason, really, at the end of the day. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But Mickey gets very smug because he's like... Oh, no, sorry. Xehanort gets smug. (laughs) Excuse me. Mickey gets very angry is what I meant to say. Mickey gets very angry and is like, 
you you messed with the destinies of three of my friends and Xehanort is like reclining at like a fucking like hundred thousand degree angle mm-hmm. he is so so proud of himself right now and he's like destiny is never left to chance i merely guided them to their proper places he calls them the broken boy the misguided master and the feckless youth this is the second time he said feckless now yeah fucking rude although he called i thought he called um ventus feckless the first time this time he's definitely talking yes. about terra the feckless neophyte yeah yes feckless i looked neophyte. up the etymology of feckless by the way uh it's it's a Scottish shortening from the 15th century of effect, hmm. meaning like in like value and vigor, sure. as in the opposite of like ineffective. Feckless means ineffective. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but what I was delighted to learn is that feckful uh, is actually a word. Not anymore, but it was a word. And if you ask me, Tara is very feckful. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, well, not really, but... He's not feckless, wait. though. It's not fair to call him feckless. No. Ventus is feckful. Tara is... Terra is feckless. He's he's got me there. <laughs> uh, it's very funny to me to hear uh, Mickey Mouse say, "How was I so blind?" <laughs> I do like. Yeah, there's a lot of really good Mickey in this part. Yeah, the the Mickey pathos. He what he's what he's realizing is he should have known because Maleficent, uh, sort of being uh, led along by Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, was on a quest for seven lights. And Xemnas was on a quest for 13 darknesses. And Mickey's like, I should have, I should have known. I should have seen it coming. As if he knew any of this shit. Yeah, like, I thought that basically no one knew about this stuff. <laughs> I guess Yen Sid probably does, so maybe Mickey does know. Maybe, yeah. This is, uh, this is a cool thing, though. I never really, uh, realized this, because we were talking about how Ansem and Xemnas, uh, are sort of operating on kind of hazy memories that they don't fully understand. I think it's very cool to learn that Ansem and Xemnas were, without entirely realizing it, sort of working towards Xehanort's plan of assembling thirteen lights and uh, uh, seven lights and 13 darknesses. I think that's very cool. Well, it's kind of like a, a, I guess, a thing that happens with Xehanort, right? Like, young Xehanort talks about how he's not going to remember any of this stuff, but there'll be, like, an impression left on his heart, I guess, that makes him want to leave the Destiny Islands. Oh, that's true. I hadn't even thought about the fact that them being sort of steered by memories that they can't remember might actually be relevant to them having time-traveled here. Yep. Oh, shit. That never occurred to me for a second. Yeah, there, damn. there is a really interesting, like, time paradox thing happening in general with this. Um, like, take the mechanics of the time travel... Um, away, I guess, because it still doesn't, oh, make, mind any, if I do. doesn't make any goddamn sense because they say you can't travel with your body, but then they all show up with their bodies. So I don't really, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know how that works. I, that's one of the many things that I've been trying to research. I think I know what the explanation we, is. We talked about, I think we talked about, la- sure. we talked about it last time. And I think like we basically said like the first time you get you time travel has to be without a body that after that you can just time travel. And maybe that's, I guess, sure. I, I think, I think we might get into that in the kingdom hearts three dlc if i remember correctly okay okay that's fine um classic nomura like revisiting a topic and being like hey remember that thing from like three games ago (laughs) here's why that worked yeah so like (laughs) but the paradox thing it is this interesting thing where it's basically like you know xehanort's only ever done this stuff 
because he time traveled to tell himself that he would do this stuff, which is obviously a paradox uh-huh. in of itself because when's the first time he would have done that? But it is that it is also that interesting idea with time travel, which is like if time travel exists, then it always existed, and anything that happens through time travel was always going to happen anyway. It's just that yeah, the person what, doing it does it out of order or whatever. And what is that? Is that like a closed time loop? Is that what that's called? Something like that. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it. Yeah, it makes sense conceptually. So yeah, okay, because like you know, he talks about how like this was always fate. This was always going to happen. Which yeah, uh-huh. I guess it must have because he was always going to time travel, and he already did. Um, but so I don't know. I like that. But it is interesting though that apparently this is like the inflection point past which all the current incarnations of Xehanort don't know what's going to happen anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Xehanort calls Sora a dull, ordinary boy, which is true. And mm-hmm. We love that about him. <laughs> uh, and Mickey Mickey starts thinking about it. He's like, okay, so Xehanort is talking about the seven guardians of light versus the 13 seekers of darkness. So he's like, okay, we got me, Riku, Sora, Terra, Aqua, and Ventus, and that's six. So we're missing one. He seems to realize who the seventh will be, but he doesn't say it. Uh, and But Xehanort chimes in and says, wrong, because Sora is one of the 13 darknesses now, as is another one of them that you listed, which we have to assume is, well, I won't say. Do you? What do you think? Uh, Terra, probably. That would make sense. Yeah. Uh, so, so Mickey is like, shit. We have we have four of the seven guardians of light, and Xehanort's like, don't worry about it. This is all destined to happen. You will form the Keyblade for me. And oh, here's where it is. He summons his Keyblade, preparing to nort Sora once and for good, once and for all, to use the actual expression. And he wiggles his fingers, mm-hmm. and I think that makes Sora's chair go up. It does make it? Sora's chair go up. Yeah, he uses he uses finger magic to make the chair go up. Excellent. And that is followed up by one of the funniest moments in all of Kingdom Hearts, as Mickey starts doing, like, a series of wall jumps <laughs> to get to Sora, but Xemnas teleports in and palms him like a basketball. He's way bigger than Mickey. I mean, that's that's Terra's body right there. Terra's yeah. a big lad. That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, and Ansem, meanwhile, he subdues Riku in a way that's not as funny. Right, yeah. I feel like the audio is really good also because it's like... Yeah, there's like a lot of really good Mickey noises. He makes one I've never heard him say later on too, which is like, Yo! (laughs) (laughs) Yo! And like, I don't know, I wrote that down. I don't even remember what the... Oh, I'll I'll, I'll bring it up when it happens again. Um, Oh, good, because I want to find it. Yeah. Um, oh, on that note, I, I tried to find the audio of Zigbar saying, I jacked it. Yeah. That's not what he says. What did he say? He says something about, like, we we messed with the Mark of Mastery exam, hijacked it before this even started. Oh, I guess I heard it as I jacked it before yeah. it even started, which is better, I think. Yeah. Source like, that's none of my business, Zigbar. <laughs> TMI. That's the bit, bit of Zigbar still getting through. Uh, the Xehanort inside of him, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he he wiggles his fingers, uh, and his Keyblade, like, launches a 
ball at Sora. I have to assume this is like a segment of his heart. Yeah, it does look like hearts we've seen outside of their bodies up until this point. So yeah, he broke off a piece of his, piece of his heart and was shooting it right into Sora's chest. But who should jump in and block it? But holy. And we get a very good cut to Xemnas going, you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, and Lee says he'll always get his friends back. We know that from days. That's right. A classic callback to something that he may or may not remember saying. <laughs> right. Um, I like Xemnas being like, you. I still have to do your your performance evaluation. <laughs> Poor. I never liked you, Axel. I'm putting you on an employee improvement plan. It was only Syx's doing that you were allowed in the organization at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do like seeing uh, Lee interact with basically his former boss and co-worker <laughs> in Xemnas and Zigbar. Yep. I think we get, I think we, I didn't write it down, but I think Zigbar also has like a, oh, it's that guy <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I really like uh, callback to the way that Zigbar interacts with Xehanort in Birth by Sleep as he turns to the tallest chair and goes, What now, you old coot? <laughs> yeah, that rules. That's you, Zigbar. Show some respect. Yeah, it is interesting how they're all Xehanort, but not exactly. Yeah, this, this gets back to the uh, eternally dangling question over Kingdom Hearts of like, what is the difference between a heart and a soul? Mm-hmm. I always come back to the heart seems to be more of like a battery that makes the body exist. And the soul is where like the person lives, I think. Yeah, it's a battery and it's also like your memories. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah, because I guess the heart's the thing that makes connections, which apparently powers you up. Or I suppose, <laughs> yeah, it's why you make friends so that you can become more powerful. Um mm-hmm. I guess also, or you can fill it full of darkness, which gives it a different kind of power. I was surprised though that when Xehanort fires a little bit of heart at Sora, it's like a it's like a shiny gold globe. Well, that's because the nature of hearts is light. Oh my God, Sora knew it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so a a hooded figure jumps at Lee and attacks him with a familiar weapon, and they clash, and his hood flies back from the impact, and it's Saix. Oh no, poor Lee! Oh, the best, the best buds are fighting again. Oh, uh, Mickey and Riku break free and prepare to escape with Lee and Sora. Uh, the Come Guardian shows up. It grabs Mickey and Riku, but it dematerializes when it gets bonked on the head by a falling Donald and Goofy. That thing's way weaker than uh, I remember. <laughs> Well, you can't you can't do like a Fallout Three like Vats targeting. Sora can only like hit it in the chest. Oh, good point. Yeah, they did the perfect headshot. Yeah, if you bonk it on like the crown of its head, it'll just disappear. It has a big X up there, so that makes sense. It's a it's where you it's where you hit it. It's the weak spot. <laughs> a big red weak spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that Donald and Goofy used the star shard from Birth by Sleep. I I'm think it sure. is. Yeah, for eagle eye viewers that have played um, <laughs> a game on a different console. <laughs> yeah which is fun to see we get a we get a silly they're like all dizzy on the ground like a did i would did we did we mean to do that i don't remember who said it so i can't do a voice the star shard does take you where you need to go right and that's where they needed to be i guess so yeah um and this is the part because zigbar says like what now you'll coot our time is up and all of the xehanorts start to sort of flicker out of existence 
including Zigbar and Saix, who I'm pretty sure are just here. So I'm a little confused about that. Yeah, they're from like 10 minutes from now or whatever. See, yeah. that's what I think is like, that's the only explanation is that they they unnecessarily traveled <laughs> through time. Yeah, well, it, it ruins the effect otherwise. Yeah, they because they all need to disappear in unison. Xehanort uh, really cares about theatrics. Like, like <laughs> he really does. It's kind of I think it's in, kind of his Achilles heel at the end of the day because like he, <laughs> you know, he has all these like beautiful plans, but he will fuck them up to do one like cool speech. Yeah, and his younger self is listening to that. He's like, "We need to make sure that everyone arrives at the same time, so they all disappear at the same time." And young Xehanort is like, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it when you're me. Um, I'll never be you, old man. <laughs> that's no. You haven't been listening. <laughs> Who are you? I don't get it. <laughs> um, I mean, actually, like, yeah, it. I I said that as a joke, but that is actually what happens because, like, Xehanort didn't need to fucking monologue at Riku and Mickey this whole time. He could have just shot his heart to Sora and been done with it. But he like yeah. talked for such a long time. He gave time for Lee to show up. Yeah, <laughs> which that is a uh, that is sort of following up on what Yen Sid was saying before is like if if we're going to subvert his plans, we have to catch him off guard. And yeah, he he did not anticipate Lee showing up. It's true. Uh, so yeah, they all start to vanish. But Xehanort says, you know, our our time is up. We will all go back to the times that we came from, including Zigbar, uh, who is literally standing outside thirty seconds ago. Um, He's just we haven't. He just ducked behind his chair. <laughs> he says uh we haven't assembled the seven or the 13 but it is destined we will finish this in the fated place and they all disappear it does make me wonder does this mean they're gonna have to create a different number 13 uh yes they are or is like the third game going to be about them trying to make sora to the 13th member i feel like it's gonna just Xehanort's going to snap someone else up. That is that is correct. I mean, we we know this about Xehanort. He has plans on plans on plans. Yeah. If it's not Sora, he's got someone else. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, they catch up uh, with Yen Sid back at the tower. Uh, Sora is just snoozing <laughs> against the wall. His his heart is asleep, uh, and he's just having a little nap. And I think he's smiling. He's like really chill about it. Yeah, yeah, yes. He's having a nice dream. Uh, and Yen Sid tells Riku that is this the first that we've heard of the phrase "power of waking"? I probably, I think so. Okay, so Yen Sid mentioned very early on in the game that part of the goal of this exam, uh, with them going to the sleeping worlds, is that they will gain an important new power with the Keyblade. And th th okay, so this is the first time that he explains what that is, which is it is the power of waking, the ability to free a sleeping heart. And yeah, you only get now, that by opening seven by waking up seven sleeping worlds. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like that's probably not the normal way to get that power, but like there, you know, there's no better training. It's like he's just throwing them straight into like the practical exam. I think is the idea. Oh, okay. Uh, the power of waking will continue to be very relevant, so try your best to understand what it actually is and does and how it works, because good luck. What takes a heart that's asleep and makes it not asleep? Yeah, it kind of seems like it. Uh, we'll see. So, <laughs> it it's 
it might become sort of a catch-all at some point, but we'll see how long it takes for that to happen. We'll oh. see when it makes sense and when it doesn't. I bet that's um, not true. Oh, okay. Mickey is <laughs> Mickey is very worried about Riku, uh, about Sora, and about Riku, because Sora's heart is still very deep in the abyss of sleep, and that is in the darkness, I guess. And if Riku goes down there, he might get stuck. So Mickey says, I'll go in Riku's place, but Yen Sid says no. Riku is more attuned to Sora's heart. He's been in his dreams for this entire story, and they're closer than you and Sora, no offense. So he has a better chance than you do. Yeah, the the Soriku shipper on the staff is just scribbling furiously at this point, basically. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, Riku looks at Sora, who's got his goofy little smile on his sleeping face, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, this is just classic Sora. He, we would all be working on the raft, and then Sora's just napping on the beach. And excuse you, I fucking got two mushrooms. I got a coconut. I got drinking water. I got three fish. Yeah. I got a rope. I got two logs. Some of those things were, like, a little more obtuse to find than you would think. Yeah. It was a pain in the ass. But Sora's not here to defend himself, so Riku can say whatever he wants. It's fucked up. Uh, Riku says that this is this is as much for him as it is for Sora because Sora saved him from the darkness once and he is going to return the favor uh, and in the throughout all of this Lee is just like by the door like leaning against the wall like a cool guy and he just chimes in for the first time in all of this and is like if anything happens I'll bail you out Dark Rescue is my middle name y- yeah the subtitles have that at, like as a title too, capital D, capital uh, <laughs> yeah. R, Dark Rescue. Well, it's his middle name. Oh yeah, that's true. Lee, Dark Rescue, something. Yeah, I mean, as we know, uh, the only characters who have last names <laughs> in this game are characters whose last names are Mouse or Sakuraba. <laughs> that's right. That's the only two last names. Yeah. So Lee is Lee Mouse. Maybe could be. I mean. He's, hmm. I'd like to explore that later, but yeah. (laughs) Crackpot corner incoming. Uh, Riku creates a dream portal into Sora's heart with his keyblade. These, I I think, I can't remember if we've seen them in cutscenes before. It's like this sort of uh, spiky orb. Yeah, I don't remember seeing these before, but... These are a gameplay thing. They're, they're, They're sort of like time challenge things that get you different items and such. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we very occasionally see these in cutscenes. They are basically portals into dreams or hearts or something. They've never really fully explained what these portals are, but we will see them again. So, oh, this is when Mickey goes, yeah, is when the spike orb shows up. <laughs> Just so you know, you I, did, go, I didn't notice that if you want to find, I, I swear, I swear that's what he says but i will i will edit in exactly what he says and the listeners will be the judge but i i want to believe that he says (laughs) 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 i hope it's there that's where i wrote the note so hopefully that's when he said it i pull up that scene and mickey actually goes hijacked it <laughs> uh, how can I confuse those things? <laughs> uh, the the portal that we see though is is different from the ones that we normally see because normally they're like just a sort of solid pink. 
But this one is kind of like, it's a little darker. It's kind of like got swirls of darkness in it because Sora's heart is in a very bad dream zone. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Riku, uh, who in the tower, they are in their normal appearances like the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, but when he jumps into the portal, he's back to his little boy Dream Eater form. Uh, he's in this inky black void, and Ventus's armor appears, but it's got the nightmare uh, Dream Eater symbol on the helmet. It is possessed by darkness, and Sora's inside it, and Riku's got to fight it. And he does. And he wins. Hooray. Yay. The armor shatters, killing Ventus instantly. <laughs> oh, well. He's not his armor. He's still in Castle Oblivion chilling <laughs> i'm just thinking about how the heart like manifested into the armor around sora oh sure i guess so yeah no well, he probably didn't kill ventus uh well, maybe so maybe darkness... now his heart gets to go back to his body or something <laughs> that would be very convenient but that is not what happens oh uh, okay uh but no the armor shatters uh sora falls out and starts sinking into the darkness and it all it all swirls away as if it's going down a bathtub drain Sora is gone, and it turns out that the the Black Void is actually Sora's Station of Awakening, but now it looks normal again. Hooray! Yeah, that tracks, because we saw him falling into that mm-hmm. earlier, so... Yeah. Which, I think this is cool, this is uh, the first time that we've gotten to see, like, a visual representation of a heart being swallowed by darkness. That's true, cool. yeah. Uh, so, Riku... Uh, I think I think the Kingdom Key... Is just like on the ground and Riku just picks it up. Yeah. Which was supposed to be his key. Whoa. Oh, shit. Although he's had it before. He had it at the end of, uh, or near the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 when he betrayed Sora. That's true. <laughs> he didn't really think anything of it. He didn't pick it up and he's like, oh man, I haven't seen you since I was evil. Wow, it's almost like they hadn't written that part of the story yet. <laughs> uh, so he uh, uses the Kingdom Key to unlock Sora's heart. And he appears in uh, a sort of heart magic representation of the Destiny Islands inside Sora's heart, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And Roxas is here waiting for him, and we we get a little... In order to get the, the true ending, you have to answer their questions three. Do you have to answer them correctly? Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, I do think it's funny... Um, <laughs> Uh, this is one of the things that Nomura talked about in the interview, uh, because he was like, we thought that it would be cool to have a little, a little puzzle sort of show, like, how well are you, uh, following, like, Riku's character arc and stuff, but also, we didn't want it to be too hard, so when these three characters ask Riku what's important to him, all the correct answers have the word important in them. (laughs) I didn't notice that, but that is true. Uh, it, it actually They didn't carry that over into the English. Oh, uh, is it? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so Roxas asks, what is it that you're so afraid of? Riku says, losing something that's important. He then sees Ventus. This is funny because this is the first time that we've ever heard their voices so close together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they made Jesse McCartney like really overdo it with Ventus to create more contrast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty different guy, though. He is, but I maybe it's just that I haven't heard him talk in a while, but Roxas is like, what is it that you're so afraid of? And then he goes over to Ventus, and Ventus goes, what is the one thing you care about more than anything else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the answer is my close friends. And lastly, he sees Shion on the sitting tree, 
and he doesn't recognize her, which is a shame because we do know that he was friends with Shion. She asks him, what is his wish? And he says, to recover something important that I lost. Those are the correct answers. And now we have completed our Dream Drop Distance walkthrough. Yeah. Oh, good. In case that was how anyone was listening to this podcast. Yeah, that's, yeah. and now the podcast is over. Thank you for listening. You needed, <laughs> you needed everything else that came before this to understand it. So, so upvote us on uh, Game Facts if you liked it. Yeah. Uh, he sees a message in a bottle floating in, and he picks it up. And who should arrive to talk to him but Ansem the Wise? I forgot that this was a thing. Which thing? Um, the stuff he's going to start talking about. He, uh, Ansem says, you know, there's, I, I, wa- I want to atone. I wanted to atone, and I knew that there was no apology that could possibly undo the harm that I've done. So what I did is, while Sora was sleeping in the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, I digitized myself and my research and hid them in Sora's heart. Yeah. How do I you mean, feel about that? Well, he said he was going to do that. Oh, he he said that to Aqua, didn't he? Yeah, he told Aqua that he did that. So I knew he did. I totally forgot that we had established that already. Yeah, so I knew he'd done it. I just kind of had totally forgot that he told us that he was going to do that. It is funny to hear this uh, said in, like, such a a positive way. Like, maybe maybe like half an hour of cutscenes after Sora said, You keep talking about hearts like they're bottles on a shelf. And now Ansem is like, so I put my heart in a bottle that is Sora's heart on the shelf. <laughs> but positive, though. But in a nice way. Yes. Uh, yeah, and he says that that message in a bottle is actually his research notes, and he hopes that they can be a clue to solving their problems. Uh, he he starts monologuing, and it's sure. a very nice monologue, and I like it a lot. He's He's talking about the nature of the heart, uh, each exposure to light, to nature, to other people shapes our hearts, and I realize now that nobodies are not so different from us in that sense. This is interesting because at the time when he would have put himself into Sora's heart, he didn't realize that, which means that the version of him in here has experienced character growth while he's been in here. Doesn't seem to be a big difference between your heart and yourself, really, you know, when it comes to that kind of yeah. thing. I guess maybe maybe he is like in tune with his data self. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but he says that Sora is a very special person because he managed to coexist with his nobody. Like, and not not talking about Kingdom Hearts 2, about the end of Kingdom Hearts 1. He right. became a Heartless, Roxas was created, and then Sora came back and they both existed at the same time. And that's weird. And he says the fact that that was able to happen speaks to Sora's capability of loving other people. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that it was because of that, but sure, yeah. And he, he speculates based on that that Sora might just have the power to bring back people that they thought were lost. Um, I'll probably just edit in this big monologue because I don't want to do uh, Ansem voice for this whole thing. Our most precious treasures, even an empty puppet, the trees of the forest... And the petals on the wind. There are hearts around us everywhere we look. And it does not take superhuman powers to see them. Surely we remember as children the way our hearts made everything seem so shiny and perfect. Sora has a heart like that. Uncorrupted, willing to see the good before the bad. When he sees the heart in something, it then becomes real. When a connection seems broken... 
he may have the power to mend it. It's a very, a very nice speech. Yeah, it's cool. I think it's cool that there's no music behind it. I feel like it really resonates with just like the the sort of silence and like the ambient noises of the island. I think it's a really nice scene. Yeah, I thought this whole part was just like very well done and um, yeah, really interesting for sure. And uh, he believes that if Sora just stays true to himself and follows his heart, then he can save the people who have been lost over the years because uh, some of them are in his own heart. Yeah. Uh, and he says that the the contents of that bottle will help them on the way. And he asks Riku what he's doing in here, and he says he's here to save Sora, and Ansem says, <laughs> Don't tell me he's gone to sleep again. It's <laughs> funny, I mean... Yeah. Sora is going to be so rested by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 starts. No one else has ever gone to sleep. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We've seen a bunch of people sleep, but still. That's that's me every every morning I wake up. I'm like, oh my god, did I go to sleep again? Fuck. Jesus, what is wrong with me? Uh, Riku and Ansem have a little laugh. This is the moment where I remembered that Riku and Ansem worked together for a full year. <laughs> Yeah, under false pretenses, but yeah. Yeah, I had completely forgotten that they knew each other so well. Um, but yeah, Ansem tells him that Sora's already awake. He he defeated the, the nightmare armor and Sora was able to escape. Uh, and Riku is about to leave. But this is a really nice moment because uh, Ansem, Ansem, of course, knows Riku. But his one of his last times talking to Riku when this version of him was programmed in here, uh, he asked Riku his name, and Riku said it's Ansem, because he was in evil form. Oh, right. So he, he gives Riku a little a little chance to show his growth and asks him what his name is, and Riku is surprised to hear him ask that, and he, he smiles and says it's Riku, and that's a great moment. I didn't, I didn't make that connection, but you're right, that's cool. Yeah, Nomura described it as a wise joke. <laughs> what? Huh? From Ansem the Wise. Oh, just a little pun there for us. <laughs> Itself a wise joke. Yeah. I, I, uh, huh. I don't know, I just, I don't expect him to make such an obvious pun, I guess. Yeah. A wise guy, eh? <laughs> uh, Riku wakes up on the floor of Yensid's tower, uh... Mickey, Lee, and Yen Sid have been watching over him while he sleeps. Meanwhile, Sora, Donald, and Goofy are literally having a tea party. <laughs> yeah, how long's he been in there? I don't know. I'm assuming not very long, and that Sora just woke up and immediately was like, guys, let's party. <laughs> <laughs> this party, the only way I know how. Tea and, like, those, I don't even know what they're called. It's like a, it's like a, a, a vertical trays of, like, little cakes. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. And then he's got some sick Groucho Marx glasses on. Yeah, he's got a party hat and Groucho Marx glasses. <laughs> and Riku wakes up and Sora turns, revealing his funny face. And uh, he hugs Riku and says, you're safe, Riku. And Riku's like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, Sora thanks them all for saving him. And then he remembers that they were taking a test before he fell asleep. Right. Oh, he's and like, oh shit, yeah, how'd I do? <laughs> 
I think that he and Riku, don't they, like, run around to to Yen Sid's desk to, like, stand at attention at that yeah. point or something? Yeah, that was, yeah, which is nice. It's a nice reminder that, like, they're still kind of kids. Even Riku's still kind of a kid. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Yen Sid says, oh, you know, the, the most important thing is that you're both back safe. And also, I'm I'm sorry for not seeing this coming and almost getting you killed. Whoops, my bad. My bad. Uh, he he gives Lee a little shout out for uh, throwing off Xehanort's plan, and he says, "We, in order to fight Xehanort, we're going to need a new Keyblade Master with a new kind of power. And who did the most in the Realm of Sleep? It was Old Riku, Keyblade Master Riku." Why can't they both be Keyblade Masters? Well, shut up. That's why. Uh, Sora did get abducted by the forces of darkness and almost turn into a vessel for darkness. He did open seven keyholes of light, though. He did. This is something that we'll get more into in, like, Act 1 of uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, is that a lot of Sora's experience in this Realm of Sleep exam was sort of undone by him becoming almost a vessel of darkness. Oh, it like depowered him a little bit. Like the Yeah, and that's why he needs to uh regain all of his combat abilities yeah, for like was, the you know fifth what? time. You don't normally do that at the end of the previous game. Like that's a wow, good job. Yeah, so that's that's why Sora does not pass. But Sora is just he doesn't care. He's so happy for Riku. Riku is like he can't even believe that he's a Keyblade master now. Uh and Lee, who once again, actually, I need to, I need to call out the blocking of this scene because when Riku wakes up, Mickey, Lee, and Yen Sid are all like standing over him, seeing if he's okay. And then when they all like run over to the desk, Lee repositions himself in his cool leaning spot by the door. <laughs> well, he feels awkward. He doesn't really know these people, you know. He's being aloof again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he says. He's going to catch up to them in no time. And he, he adds that his plan was to swoop in Keyblade in hand, but he just hasn't been able to get it to materialize yet. And he says, must be in the snap of the wrist or something. Shing! And he materializes his Keyblade, and everyone loses their shit, including Yen Sid, which is very funny to see. <laughs> yeah, I do love His eyes are already really big, and they get even bigger. He's kind of pogging. <laughs> Yensid is pogging. Yensid is pogging. Lee has a a keyblade with a guard of one of his flaming chakrams, and the blade is like a big sort of plume of fire. I think it looks kind of bad. I think so, too. <laughs> it kind of looks like he glued some construction paper to his chakram. It looks like he took his chakram and he attached one of those Lego flames. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love the idea of his Keyblade, but I wish that it looked better than this. Yeah, I think it'd be cool if, like, you know, he, like, put his hand in his chakram and then, like, the flame would, like, sprout out and be, like, active flames or something, but it's not really that. That'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. I think for me, my thing with Keyblades is I like it when they look like keys. Yes, and his like just a, has, like, a sort of long, curling flame on the end that doesn't in any way... It just looks like a club. That's true. Yeah. Is that why your favorite Keyblade is the giant car key? <laughs> I do love that one. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite Keyblade uh, is actually... This is an unpopular opinion, but it's the 
Here, I'll pull up a picture of it. It's the Three Wishes, the Aladdin Keyblade from Kingdom Hearts 1. Hmm. It's, like, pretty simple, but I just think it looks really good. And it looks like a key. Yeah, it's all right. I, I would have to... You know what? I don't think I know them all well enough to, to opine. Well, that's your homework for next time. Just oh, kidding. Okay. No, I, well, I could get spoiled <laughs> if I do that, probably. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You're not supposed to know about the car key. I thought I was. I think that already... Didn't that already happen? Oh, Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, the, that's the one that looks like a car key. That's right, there's only that one. Yeah, you, the, the Buster Sword-ish one, I think, is the one. We yeah, that's the one that I thought you were talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's only that one. Is there one from Cars? <laughs> they haven't gone to Cars yet, but I do think that Sora will be a car in Kingdom Hearts They're 4. They're gonna have to go to Cars. He's gotta be a car. Although, has maybe Cars, maybe the ship has sailed on Cars, you know? It's been too long. Maybe the car is driven. Yeah, they're gonna, cause they're, they're gonna go to Inside, they're gonna go to elemental i guess inside out inside out that's what i mean <laughs> inside is the very cool game by uh yeah. now that now that would play be King, dead that'd be a kingdom hearts level oh my god donald and goofy yeah i i censored that because I, every, anyone who hasn't played inside needs to play inside and i don't want to spoil anything for them oh yeah good call cool game that game fucking rules yeah uh, uh a little bit of time passes uh sora heads out on his own he says he's got something to take care of and he'll be back soon and everyone's like but sora and he says no i gotta go except he doesn't say anything like that and he goes to traverse town he's back in the realm of sleep i don't know why it has become incredibly easy to get there but it has real just before you go with tell us say what this was i assume this was going to be some big end of game reveal see something very important to the story of kingdom hearts here because <laughs> uh, i don't know that he, he acted like this was a very important thing he was doing it's it, really not in a way it is to me in a way it is in a way in a way to me emotionally it is but uh-huh. uh anyway now you can get back to revealing what actually happens here it's it's not plot important but i think it's character important yeah because sora goes to traverse town and he's like, oh, thank God, I'm so glad this world is still here. But where are they? And he's looking around and we're all thinking, oh, is he going to say hello to the world that were the, 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 the them guys? I was actually terrified it was going to be the Tui people, too. I was like, I don't want them. To- <laughs> <laughs> Did not want them back. Uh, no, his meow wow runs over to him and starts licking his face. And he sees his big panda and his little bat. And all the Dream Eaters appear, and they come in for a huge party. Such a good... This game's great. It's a great It's a great game. It's a great moment. I love the... He goes like, thanks, you're the best! And as the camera, like, pans up, and we see, like, all the flying Dream Eaters flying down. Yeah. Ah, uh, just a big old Dream Eater party. Just a big old Dream Eater party. It's, it's, it's... They're going to be such an integral part of all the games after this. Well. Well, 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 uh, we cut to Castle Oblivion and Ventus is still sleeping in the chamber of waking as ever. But a little smile appears on his face as Sora plays with all the dream eaters. Oh, precious. Is that because his heart went back to him when the armor exploded or he's just he's still his heart is still sleeping in Sora's. OK, you just kind of can tell what's going on over there. Yeah, it's, it's resonating, you know. Okay. He likes it. Good. Secret ending. <laughs> this this is another, kind of like at the end of Birth by Sleep, these things have like little title cards. The Darkness Awakens. 
we see young Xehanort with a big, tall <laughs> collar. Mm-hmm. I don't know why his shirt was so funny to me. Yeah, it is. Um, I, yeah, he's got like a, like a muscle shirt with, with big shoulders. <laughs> yeah. uh, he looks out across the water on the Destiny Islands, as we've seen before. He has yellow eyes, mm-hmm. and he says, This world is just too small. So that's him being set on his path. Uh, the light in the darkness. Aqua stands on the dark margin looking across the water, but looking hopeful. Leads to the last key. Goofy and Donald are waiting outside the tower for Sora. Uh, Lee has gone to Radiant Garden. Uh, Yen Sid sent Riku on some errand that we don't know what it is. Uh, I I felt very bad for Goofy when he goes, Wonder if we'll ever have an important job to do. <laughs> I feel like that's not giving himself enough credit for all the things he's done so far. I know. He fucking saved them from the Cum Guardian. And and done all the Sora adventures. Yeah. He's I don't know, probably like arrested Pete a couple times before all that. <laughs> Banished him to another dimension. <laughs> uh and Riku returns and Donald and Goofy see something that shocks them. We go back inside, and Yen Sid is telling Mickey about the Keyblade Wars. I was very interested to hear that plural there. Mm -hmm. The Keyblade Wars, which plunged Kingdom Hearts into darkness and shattered the Keyblade. I think I have said this before. We we reference the Keyblade War from time to time, but I I do feel like there's more than one. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, And he explains some lore. He says that uh, the seven pieces of light from the Keyblade... Uh, w- uh, were divided among the purest hearts in the world. The lights of children rebuilt the world as we know it today. And those seven pure hearts with the seven pieces of light are the princesses of heart. Makes sense. They are the source of all the world's light. And if they were all lost, then the world would give way to shadow, which is uh, very concerning for them because everything that Xehanort is saying right now is... You're going to gather your seven guardians. I'm going to gather my 13 seekers. We're all going to fight each other. And then I will summon Kingdom Hearts and get the Keyblade. Yeah, then he gets what he wants. Yeah, and what Yen Sid is saying here is we really, really, really have to go along with that. Because if we don't, then he's just going to gather up the princesses of heart, which is way, way, way worse. Right, yeah, because then... That's the source of all light. Just got it. And he's going to snuff it out. Yeah. So the best we can hope for is to gather our guardians, prepare to fight, and just know that the princesses are safe and figure it out from there. Uh, but they are interrupted as Riku walks in and he says, Yen Sid, I brought the guest that you asked for. And Yen Sid says, ah, I'm glad you're here. I heard that you can wield a keyblade too. And it's Kairi. Wow. She's going to get to do something. She's going to get to do something. She gets to be one of the Guardians of Light. Hooray! But the game's going to end before we see any of that, so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. A funny thing that I want to bring up that's not important is that if you, uh, I can't remember if you have to unlock the secret ending. There's a, there's like a, like a credits mini game where you're like dream dropping through the credits, you know, like Super Monkey Ball or whatever. <laughs> right, okay, good. And you're, like, flying through certain, like, golden letters, and if you get them all, it spells out, like, secret message unlocked. I can't remember if that's the same thing as the uh, as the secret ending, but over the actual, like, credits, 
there's like a montage of Disney characters like posing with big letters on the screen, like Yen Sid and Mickey just standing next to a big T. Weird. <laughs> and over the course of the credits, it very, 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 very slowly spells out, this leads to Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> Good. And it takes so long, and I've... You know, I love I love to watch people play Kingdom Hearts games for the first time. Everybody that I've ever watched sit through these credits is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it should be something else. Like, Xehanort is... Is... Nice. 15 guys. No, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and it's so funny because what happens is it spells out Kingdom Hearts, and they're like, this leads to Kingdom Hearts. What does that mean? And then there's a shot of a bright light and Sora and Riku like walk into the light and their silhouettes against the, the light make it kind of look like a Roman numeral three. If you can imagine that it's hard to, it's basically like light silhouette, light silhouette, light. No, so it's like three lines of light, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't look like a number three or, or even a Roman numeral three. So nobody ever realizes that that's what it's saying. <laughs> so they just think this leads to Kingdom Hearts. So like, okay. This yeah. leads to Kingdom Hearts. Okay, great. Yeah, I know. Yep. Kingdom Hearts is important. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm glad I redid the credits for that. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I think I think if you unlock that, it then like, if you reload your save, it like adds a little journal entry that's like, Kingdom Hearts 3 coming soon. <laughs> nice. And soon, of course, means like seven years from now. That's so nuts. Uh, yeah, that's Dream Drop Distance. Yeah, I liked this. I think this is a cool ending. Like, I, you know, I think, I mean, really good stories, you shouldn't have to just ignore stuff that you don't like. <laughs> and um, I like Kingdom Hearts, but I don't think it's a really good story um, all the time because this no. time travel shit just, it didn't, I don't know, it doesn't need to be convoluted like this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um that said, I like a lot of the things that we're doing here with the story. Like, I really, I really like the thing that drive home here about Sora. You know, people spend a lot of time saying that there's really nothing special about Sora other mm-hmm. than his capacity to like make friends and see the best in people. Mm-hmm. And I like that being like a superpower that anybody could have. You know, it's like the thing that <laughs> fuck. It's the thing I like about the <laughs> the Last Jedi, which was the idea that. Anybody could be a hero. You don't have to have, like, noble bloodlines or whatever. You can just be a hero because you're a good person, you know? Right, which is probably also a thing that you really like about Rise of Skywalker. Haven't seen it, but... Yeah, I bet that they kept that going because they'd be crazy to (laughs) abandon such a good plot thread. Um, Yeah, I I do think that's great for Sora, especially since, like, there's there's a... If we go all the way back to Kingdom Hearts 1 and his face-off with Riku, with D-Mode Riku, that established uh, the catchphrase of the franchise, my friends are my power. If we if we look at that actual speech that Sora makes, what he's saying is like, my heart is weak, but it doesn't matter because I have these connections that make me strong. And I think that that is something that is very important with Sora, especially right now, is like, you know, he's not the chosen one, yeah. but he is very nice. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not the chosen one. Instead, he's the one who gets chosen by everyone he meets. 
you know, which is like because he's very nice. Because he's very nice. But I think that's like I I just think that like so many stories aren't that, you know. <laughs> and I think it's actually cool for us for a big franchise like this to have at its heart like none of the noble bloodline shit that is in so many other stories like this. Yeah, until Missing Link comes out and it turns out that Sora is the crown prince. <sighs> God, I hope not. But um, <laughs> I I don't think that they're going to do it. Yeah. The other thing I like is a thing we talked about before, too, is I feel like one of the things that we're doing here with the story is about Xehanort laying the seeds of his own demise in uh-huh. some ways. You know, because, again, we talked about how him bringing Ventus to his home connected him in Sora's heart, um, which is kind of the thing that does actually set Sora down this path, I think, and gives him mm-hmm. some of the, the strength that he has. And I think that's cool. And I think we, you know, we see it again. It, there's like a, I listened to a show called Just King Things about uh, King, like Stephen King stuff. Uh-huh. And they talk about like a thing that happens in Stephen King stories a lot is the idea that evil defeats itself. And that's kind of what happens with Zador all the time. Like he monologues too long, so he's not able to put his heart into Sora. And, uh-huh. you know, like he brings Ventus to the, to his hometown. And that's what powers up his, like the guy that's going to defeat him. And at the end of the day, it's because it's fate, which is a thing that he talks about all the time, is that not even Xehanort can change fate, which is that he's going to lose to Sora, who's very nice. Yeah, I mean, even even the specific thing that foiled their plan here was the arrival of Lee, because something that he just never counted on would be that a pawn in this whole thing that he basically discarded, that he's like, whatever, we don't need Lee, he's not important, that he would foil their plan because he values friendship yes right and he values friendship again (laughs) because a part of sora taught lee to value friendship you know Uh, yes and and again it's just that yeah it it, that's again xehanort defeating himself because he doesn't see the value of those things this the way that like ansem didn't think that he'd get blasted by (laughs) by the light you know like just constantly defeats Mm -hmm. himself by underest by thinking he's so correct (laughs) so anyway i just like that i like that kind of thing i think that's good yeah and another thing that i like about dream drop distance is what it does for riku which is so it's i think it's unfortunate that especially in the later disney worlds it feels like riku is like almost an afterthought in terms Mm -hmm. of what he contributes but also the disney worlds don't really matter anyway (laughs) Yeah, this game because towards the end of the game, this game becomes his story, not Sora's. Yes, and and I think that Riku's whole arc being about the the fact that he falls victim to the darkness and this like evil manipulating villain, and the fact that that leaves like the residue of Ansem in his heart, like. I mean, there there were parts of this where I'm pretty sure that the Ansem that he's dealing with isn't even the time-traveling Ansem. I'm pretty sure that sometimes he's actually dealing with the one that is just inside of his heart, whether he likes it or not. And I think it is very cool uh, for Riku. You know, he, he faced it in Chain of Memories, but I think this is the first time that he's really truly gotten a chance to be like, I'm like, I'm going to take what you have left in my heart and I'm going to make it mine and make the best of it and turn it into light. I think that was such a cool scene. Yeah. I I think that that is what makes Riku a good character that people like, you know, 
And mm-hmm. as I've gone through, I think like earlier on, I didn't appreciate Sora's character very much because it felt very rote. Um, and then like Riku is, yeah, more interesting because he's kind of like, you know, tortured and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. but I think also I like that they're making the turn of like, we went through tortured, moody Riku, but now he's accepted those things and he's much less moody and much, and more positive and I don't know, like connecting with his friends again. So I, I it, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's good. You would, exp- a lot of stories would just leave Riku as the, like the brooding cool guy. And I liked it. I like that they're letting him like evolve past that a little. Yeah, or even like if not leave him as the brooding cool guy, then uh give him a redemption arc that is like very superficial. I right. I think that the internality of it adds a lot that we actually see him very literally confronting <laughs> like the the trauma that has been inflicted on him yeah. and yeah, it's it's not just that he, like, turns and is like, I'm nice now, I want to make amends. Like, we get to see a lot more of what he's actually going through that gets him to that point. Riku's good. Yeah, yeah, he went, th- yeah, you actually, like, it's a believable arc because he's gone through every step, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we, we talked about Sora. I do I do just want to say, I think that Sora gets some shit uh, in, in the more recent games for, like, you know, Riku is so, like, complex and layered, and Sora is just kind of, like, stupid and nice. But I I do think that there's more to Sora than that, and I think that uh, it he's he's a better and more interesting character than people give him credit for. Yeah, I think because he's gone through... The arc he's gone through, like, in, in the last couple games is contending with um, the ways in which he's not strong or special... And mm-hmm. coming out the other side and just embracing who he is, you know, I think that's good. Like he actually, like for the lack of depth that he has, he still has like <laughs> some internality and some like struck like crisis of like self at times, and that's good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I think one of the things that I like the most about Dream Drop Distance is where it leaves us with Sora in terms of what his new mission is and how it relates to his character is. Because the reason that all of this is happening, largely, is because he connected with Ventus. Like, I mean, Roxas and Shion wouldn't exist if it weren't for that moment. Which, by the way, was also Riku's doing. Riku, lest we forget, was the one who told him to, like, reach out and try to help this, this mysterious, like, feeling of pain that Sora was encountering. That's true, yeah. With with the great uh, little baby Sora line, I don't know, Riku, you say some weird stuff sometimes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was before his edgy era. That was when he still believed in Santa Claus. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that Sora is this like empathetic person means that he was able to make that connection with Ventus, which sort of sets everything in motion and now is coming back around to all these characters uh, who Xehanort has like fucked over and thrown their lives off the rails Sora's like kindness and empathy is now the thing that is going to potentially save them all that's a that's that's great and I'm really excited for what comes next but (laughs) but (laughs) that's what comes next in Kingdom Hearts 3 that's not what comes next on Sounds About Light no that'd be too simple because we've got a mobile game to contend with yeah sure do and we are going to be following this up with kingdom hearts 
Union Cross. We're going to be watching the fan dub organized by Demo279, which I've watched a little bit of it. It's great. I'm really excited to watch the rest. Yeah. I hope that you like it. I went into Union Cross thinking, oh my god, what is this shit? This sucks. Mm -hmm. And I came out of Union Cross thinking, oh my god, what is this shit? This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I love Union Cross. It's absolute madness. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I think that a little bit I know about it is that it's about like way far past stuff to the story of Kingdom Hearts. It is an origin story of sorts, yes. And I'm a little leery of... I I sometimes think that less is more when it comes to backstory. Um, See, that's what's interesting. And obviously we'll talk about this when we get to it properly. But I went into Union Cross. I mean, I wasn't even going to watch it. Like, uh, someone on Discord was just like, oh, if you're going to go to Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, you finish Dream Drop Distance, I think you should watch this, like, compilation of cutscenes. And I was like... All right, you know, I can I can like bang this out over over like a, a week or two. Sure, why not? Might as well. And I I went into it like this feels unnecessary. Like prequels, origin stories, so so often they they add nothing. I by the end of Union Cross, I was absolutely shocked at how much I felt it had added to the story of Kingdom Hearts. So, that's my opinion. I I will not be surprised if anyone doesn't like Union Cross, but okay. I'm really excited. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I know people don't necessarily like this game, and I really liked it, so maybe I'll like mm-hmm. Union Cross. Uh, the one other thing that I'll say about what we have ahead of us is that uh, this is this is getting a little into the, <laughs> the, the mess that is the structure of Kingdom Hearts as a franchise, but um, so I'll, I'll delve more into this next time, but... We're going to be watching uh, the cutscenes from Union Cross intercut with what's called Union Cross back cover. So in the Kingdom Hearts 2.8 uh, <laughs> collection, which includes Dream Drop Distance, back cover, and Fragmentary Passage, not to be confused with Fragmentary Passage, uh, back cover is sort of a, here's what some of the characters in Union Cross were doing during other stuff. So it's 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 not a retelling. It's not like a movie version like some of the other stuff we've seen. It's sort of a side story, and that's going to be intercut chronologically with the fan dub that we're going to be watching. So that that might be a little bit confusing at first, but it'll it'll make sense as we go. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I'm sure I'll understand all of it. Uh, the first time I see it, I'll have <laughs> no questions for you because it all makes sense. Yeah, there's there's so much more that I'd like to say about it, but I'll I'll hold off until next time. Um, uh, what what's next for us? Do we dive to the wiki? Do I we think, got questions. I think what we just talked about actually leads really well into the only question I'm aware of that we have for this week, um, which is Hcape's question, uh, which is based on how far you are now. Do you think it would be possible to wrangle all the side and main games so far to four or five regular games? Or do you think the series has has to have weird but important side games and then a few tentpole main games? Um, and I thought about my answer. I, I, I think I have a good answer to this now, a better answer than I used to. Because I think we've kind of talked about this before, but only like when we were in like Kingdom Hearts like 1. And back then I really just didn't understand like why or didn't think it was good to have all these like side games like this. 
Because, uh-huh. like, you know, you'd think you just want to tell the story you want to tell in the main story. But as we've gotten into them, like, I think I think it's kind of one of the things that makes Kingdom Hearts kind of cool is that you've got all these, like, uh, like things that link between the big, the big like, budget games, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of cool to, like, try to do them on different systems that, like, give you, like, different approaches to storytelling and making a game. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's all really neat. So, like, I don't think that... I mean, the I mean, the big answer is, like, you don't have to do anything like this, and they probably shouldn't have done it like this. Like, <laughs> Definitely not. It's, like, be- because ultimately, ultimately, like, like, I think it's all really cool in the world where the majority of people can find out about all these games and, <sighs> like, have the ability to play all of them. You know, I think that's, that's the only place where it really falls down for me is that, like, it was so fragmented that your average kingdom hearts fan had no way to play them and so like not only were they missing big parts of the story they just like had huge droughts where they never got to play a kingdom hearts game so yeah like, i agree yeah and i think that is why it is so much better to get into kingdom hearts now than it ever was to follow it along at the time <laughs> because you know what sucks ass is buying kingdom hearts for the ps2 buying Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories for the Game Boy Advance, buying Kingdom Hearts 358 Days Over 2 for the Nintendo DS, buying Kingdom Hearts Recoded for the Nintendo DS because there's no way that you're getting, like, a Japanese cell phone, buying Kingdom Hearts 2 for the PS2, then finding out that Kingdom Hearts Final Mix came out. So you have to get Kingdom Hearts Final Mix because that has, like, actual new plot developments in it that actually matter for the future. And then it turns out that Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix also has important plot developments for the future, so you kind of need to get that, too. And now you've got seven games. You know what's better than that is buying the Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 2.5 collection that has all of those games and more <laughs> on one disc, on one console. So much better as, like, user experience. Yeah, right, and it's like, I'm glad that, that you know, I'm glad that even, like, like the original, re- original release of Kingdom Hearts 3, right, had, like, a theater mode where you could at least, like, fi- like catch up on the story or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, a pretty poor Band-Aid. And, yeah, like, I think ultimately it's, like, I think it's cool that they, like, publish these, like, side games that were smaller and put them on, like, other consoles or whatever. But, like, I think if, like, and I just know, like, you can't do this because of, like, copyright law and all the other stupid stuff that goes into, like, game development. But, like, it should have been in an ideal world you made all these side games, but they were all available at least on PlayStation so the people that played the first game can keep, Yeah. Keep oh, here's another thing uh, that makes now better is... uh you know, in the early games, secret ending stuff was just, like, a little hype preview for the next game that they were working on. But now with, like, with like Dream Drop Distance and Coded and stuff, there's, like, actual plot that is happening in the secret ending that's setting up the next game. <laughs> right. That's not really uh, answering the question. But to get back to the question, I actually think at the time I was of the opinion that these games shouldn't exist and i think that they shouldn't have but now they do and this is what it is and we have the collection so it's like whatever i actually think that now you know for better or worse we are in an era where so much stuff has been like consolidated like there's not two nintendo handhelds that you need to get there's none (laughs) there's the switch right And there's not the PlayStation and the PlayStation Portable. There's the PlayStation 5, the PlayStation 4, which is being wound down, 
And then there's, like, that weird handheld thing that is just, like, cloud gaming on your PlayStation from a handheld. Like, the handhelds are not really such a thing anymore. And, you know, we can we can talk about whether or not that's good or bad. But, you know, you can play the entire Kingdom Hearts collection on PC. You can play it on a PS5, you can play it on a PS4, you can play it on an Xbox One, Xbox, whatever the fuck the new one is, who cares? It's all the same. <laughs> And I think that we are in an era when they can much more easily make as many smaller, quote-unquote, side games as they want, and most people will be able to play any and all of them. I mean, that's like what they're doing with Missing Link, is it's a game for smartphones, because most people have a smartphone. Right. They're doing, uh, they they just wrapped up uh, fairly recently-ish Dark Road, which is a game for smartphones. And they're like, they're different kinds of games for smartphones, but they are both games for smartphones that pretty much anyone can play. Yeah, and I think that's ideal. And yeah, so a lot of this series issues have to do with like when they were making these games. Yeah, so I'm, I am all in favor of them being like, we're, we're between huge releases. We're going to put out a smaller game that's maybe experimenting with a different type of gameplay mechanics or whatever. We're going to put it out for smartphones. We're going to put it out uh, like for digital release on every console, like whatever. I think that's better for the player experience than how it used to work. That being said, I am still angry that I paid $60 for Melody of Memory. I thought you liked it. Uh, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> other Other people like it more than I do. Okay. All right. I don't think it was worth sixty dollars. Yeah, it seems like it doesn't. Was have... it sixty? Maybe it was forty. I don't know. Still I th- too much. I think it was sixty. Yeah, I think I looked at it at one point. Gross. Gross. Uh, shall we dive to the wiki? Yes, please. I've got a few things. This one's short. Uh, this one is GeoMarts. That is G E O M A R T Z. It's a short one, so I won't even bother linking it to you. Here's the entire article. Hmph. I have drifting in my blood. I'll always take a challenge. Geomarts, quote, Geomarts is a character in Kingdom Hearts, Fast and Furious, Continental Drifting. Whoa. That is? I'm assuming that that means it's a Fast and Furious Ice Age crossover. Continental, that's, you know what, that's honestly a great, like, drifting, like, as in a car and also the continents are drifting. That's so good. I'm I'm a huge fan of this. I mean, that's going to be Fast 10 Part 2, is they're going to time travel back to the Ice Age. And they're going to drift along the continent, thereby <laughs> shattering Pangea. I, I mean, yeah, I think they're going to get there. Uh, appearance, Geo has wavy, short, jet black hair, light peach-colored skin, a fit body, six-pack, Sick. and normally hazel eyes. He wears a very specific styling of clothes. His stature is five foot eight. Sounds like a cool dude. Uh, then we can either read about uh, Minions or the unsung verse. Min- minions. <laughs> It's got to be Minions. Oh, which which uh, which article on Minions is it? Well, it's Minions SOTP, but it doesn't say what SOTP stands for. Hmm. No, no. Symphony of the Plight. Shadows of the Past. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, okay, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I found it. The uh, Minions are small yellow cylindrical creatures who have one or two eyes. They are impulsive creatures with little self-control, but with a wide-eyed wonder and odd innocence that endears them to viewers and makes them relatable. They can be pesky when they are doing weird interactions with other people, animals, or objects. Now, this claims that their origin is Radiance Garden. 
Hmm. I can I say it's a very avant-garde take, too, to be like, yeah, uh, <laughs> in this universe, we know that they endear themselves to viewers. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Type, unknown race. So they are uh, Yodas. Aren't they Dominions? Isn't that their race? <laughs> we just don't know. <laughs> Weapon, varied. True. I will admit that I don't know a ton about the minions. I think I've seen Despicable One and Despicable Me One and Two, but I've never seen anything past that to learn more. I haven't about seen minions. any of it. Okay, I've like, seen uh, middle-aged people posting on Facebook. Yeah, I've seen that too. A rambunctious bunch of simple-minded homunculi. Minions are a similar size and shape, but have unique features to tell them apart, such as height, number of eyes, roundness, or secondary features such as hair, eye slash pupil size, or clothing. Minions wear metal goggles accommodating their number of eyes, blue overalls with Gru's emblem on the front, and black gloves. Minions possess few additional physiological characteristics. With a crack and a shake, they can double as glow sticks for activities in the dark, such as growing through ventilation ducts. I didn't know that. That happens in the first movie, I think. They additionally can survive without air. I think that's probably how they were, like, underground for, like, a hundred years so that they didn't participate uh, in Hitler. That's right. I know about that. <laughs> there I are a large number one. of minions. There are only about 48 possible combinations of height and build. Short and chubby, medium, tall and thin, hair, tall, buzz cut, short, buzz cut, sprout, comb, spread out, bald, eyes, one, two. <laughs> One-eyed minions are almost always all small. Although a tall, one-eyed minion does appear in a promotional artwork. Tall minions are all with sprout-cut hair. I love Kingdom Hearts lore. (laughs) Well, speaking of Kingdom Hearts lore, would you like to tell me about the history of minions? Sure. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. After the defeat of Organization 13... 13s... (laughs) Sorry, Uh let me take that one more time, because... It's a little hard to parse. After the defeat of the Organization 13s... And during the repairs of Radiant Garden, many of these strange beings were without a home and searched for jobs. They were all hired by Sid Highwind and his gang as his own staff with little care for money but to do something. Um, Is Sid the most evil person that exists (laughs) during... No, that's Pluto. Right. Huh. I'll I'll edit this after we're done. Oh, okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um... Although many have been annoying at first after the first few weeks until Sid gotten to know them more after seeing their hard work on a few machines and fix up the fix up the place he had been working on for repair. I'm starting to suspect that uh, the stuff that I read up to this point maybe was taken from like Minions Wiki and now we're reading like original content. <laughs> I yes, <laughs> because it's a lot a lot harder to read this stuff. I think that's a good guess. Sometime afterwards, the Keyblade wielders arrived at the time when the Galactic Empire sent their assistance for the planet's inhabitants after the latest Heartless attack. He I int- like that they, they put that in quotes as if I'm like, oh, we all know what really happened when the Galactic Empire attacked Radiant Garden. We sure do. We all know Shadow of the Heart or whatever this is. Uh, Shadows, Shadows of the, of the past. past. He introduced the wielders to the extra staff <laughs> as they... <laughs> <laughs> we're working with dangerous weapons, chemicals, and construction. Um, I guess that's the minions. The, yeah, for a second, I thought he was talking about like an extra magical staff. Then I realized it was talking oh. about the, the minions. I thought it was saying that the Galactic Empire showed up and they're like, "All right, we've got some. We've just got some guys to work with you." Yeah, this the, the mythical extra staff. Um, 
as they were being introduced by the strange beans, he was too late to warn Kyrie before she took out a banana as they love oh, fruit no. most of all. No, Ca- Kyrie! Causing a lot of mayhem in the buildings until things have calmed down. Oh no, not mayhem. Do you think Kyrie got eaten by minions? Well, let's find out. Let me open the link to Kyrie SOTP. Let's oh, see. okay. Huh. Huh, that's different. Uh, the I mi- don't know what this piece of art is, but that's definitely not Kyrie. She's grown up now. Uh, the min- Just let me, I'll finish and you can talk about Kyrie. The minions were called in an emergency meeting by Sid and with Merlin to gather supplies to the high wind after many upgrades to take off as things are getting serious with the Empire and the Heartless's new masters Ooh, taking control of the up. planet. Oh, la la. Yeah, things are actually getting kind of serious with the Empire. <laughs> what is this? Kyrie? I don't... I don't know who this character is. This is just some anime lady with large breasts. It's supposed to be Kyrie, because it says her love interest is Sora. Yeah, there's, there's like, text behind that I don't know how to read it, so this is definitely from some show. Yeah, I was going to try to reverse image search it, but... Okay, anime characters database... That mm-hmm. seems like a good place to... Members only! Uh, <laughs> Fucking excuse you! Getchu.com. What is this? Oh, well, this is all... Oh, this is, seems a bad website. I don't want to be here. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is pornography. Yeah. I think this might be a porno woman. <laughs> I think they might have... Okay. I, just for the record, this character is fully clothed, but well, maybe I can re- was taken from some porn. <laughs> Uh, here I can read, uh, explaining some things about Kyrie. Kyrie, as a grown adult, would now have a curvaceous figure and large, generous breasts. Her red hair now oh. cut to the mid-length. Oh, it does say that, huh? It does say that. She's That's ni- a shame. She's 19. Well. Well. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a quote. Okay. Thank you. This is, this is on Minions. <laughs> okay. This is Sid. Ladies, gentlemen, and non-human beings, I'd like to introduce you all to my new staff. They may look dim-witted and immature and destructive in, and destructive in numbers, but they've become closest family. I don't remember Sid's voice. Most of all, they're very cheap for hire, which makes it good enough for me. Sid's introduction of the minions to his friends. Okay, I'll read another quote. Uh-huh. Banana! <laughs> One of the minions see a banana from Kyrie, much to Sid's discomfort. I'm discomfortable about the fact that they're causing mayhem. <laughs> I'm discomfort about the picture of Kyrie. Yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on there. I think that's it. I okay, yeah. Oh, oh no, this is Wish Us Duck. This is oh shit. Yep. Wow, we would have been. <laughs> uh, I've got a bunch of. I wrote down some good quotes this week. I think. Oh, okay. I won't just say banana then. Um. Yeah. We, I mean, then that might be better. But no, we got we got quotes. Let's 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 do a quote. Um, this one's too long. Let's see. Um, because I had you had your perfect little script, but you kind of forgot to write the sequel. Which I th- oh, that's an axle line, isn't it? A yeah. lead line. I'm so sorry. Yeah, which I think is pretty funny because I think it's him basically being like, "You're just doing the same shit you did in Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is pretty funny. Shut up, Lee. You're not supposed to say that. Uh, let's see. Um, bear my heart like the rest, we could say. <laughs> what was that? That's, uh, what Xehanort says before he wiggles his fingers and, and starts trying to <laughs> shoot his heart into Sora. Let's, let's do Lee's cool line. Okay. What was it again? Oh, there's also, oh, yeah, okay. It's also the final clash will beget the prize I seek. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, yeah. 
the final clash will beget the prize I seek. Okay, yeah. Let me let me give that a go. Yeah. All right. Earlier today, I was kind of doing it better, and I'm sure that means I won't be able to do it at all right now. But let's see. That's what we all say. Yeah. Before we fuck it up, <laughs> it's true. I got to try to just make the now the noise first, then I can get to it. Hold on. Okay. Nope. S is hard. It's hard. Seek is a bad one. Because you kind of just have to do an S sound. Okay. Well, that was it. I did it. And it was great. Yeah. We are on co-host at Sounds About Light. I am on co-host at Positive Stress. And you can listen to my other podcast, Dr. Hunt. It's back. By the time this episode goes up, we will have got our episode on Hellbent up on Dr. Hunt. Wow. Um, I'm on co-host at Achilles Healy's. You know, you can follow me mostly to see me post good screenshots from these Kingdom Hearts games as we go. Um, Always good to see. Yeah, they're good to see. And I don't know. I haven't done F plus in a while. I'm sure there will be one at some point. <laughs> Something's probably in the uh, editing pipeline. Probably, yeah. We're you know, uh, we're a consortium of folks that put stuff out every once in a while. So please, <laughs> please enjoy. <laughs> we are hosted on the Noise Space Network at noisespace.xyz. You could listen to other podcasts like the I think I probably shouted it out last time, but the Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die final episode question mark probably maybe uh you could check out local service only about the prisoner you could check out check out this guy about checking out this guy there's podcasts trust me you gotta believe me yeah i i do well sadly we we are this is this is legitimate and actually sad we are saying goodbye to leonard nimoy as xehanort that's so sad rest in peace leonard you were so good as Xehanort and as Spock and probably other things that I haven't seen. I don't think I've ever seen him uh, do a bad performance, really. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Leonard, thank you for your service. Thank you for... I, I assume that he was wiggling his fingers in the booth. Had to be. Um, uh, so, I don't know. Maybe next time we see Xehanort, we will start saying this in Rutger Hauer's voice. But for now... Game line. Game line. And Game line. Banana. 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 Bye. Great. Bye. Good. I was hoping this world was still here. Hmm. But where are they? There! Uh-huh. <laughs>